Welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle, Washington, carried live on Fox Radio 850 KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and carried nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. Two hours of interviews and features, plus questions and comments about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery as we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. And now, Recovery Coast to Coast is on the air. Here's your host, Neil Scott. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. We're delighted to have you with us tonight. And tonight's kind of a special night for me, certainly, because I am uh, privileged to have in the studio a dear friend of mine. My goodness, we were talking off the air, and I guess it was back in the early 80s that we first linked up over in uh, Spokane, Washington, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, a great guy. Don Tennyson. He goes by the name of Chicano Don. And uh, Don has been in this field 40 years or so. Mm-hmm. Don, welcome to the program. H- how long has it been? Well, I'm going to celebrate uh, the 40 years clean and sober, but I'm also going to celebrate 40 years in the field because I was one of those old stories, got clean and sober, became a counselor almost immediately. Wow. And that, you know, that's unheard of nowadays. But uh, Tell people about Don Tennyson. Well, uh, you know, I, I grew up in the in, in what we call the Chicano era down in California. I grew up in a little town called Stockton. Mm. And Stockton is, even to date, is a tough town. And they produce more boxers and, and gangsters, so to speak, than even L.A. And uh, so I grew up way back in what we call the Chicano era. And, and that was my intro back then. And I, I got in a lot of trouble right from the gate, um, well, you know, started drinking, and before I knew it, I we got in a fight, and I uh, uh, stabbed somebody, and I got locked up for it, and, and my life went on like that. I kept... You, you, you told me that you accidentally stabbed somebody in the ass yeah. <laughs> because you were drunk. Yeah, I was so drunk, I stabbed him in what we call the cola, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I, I'm so grateful that uh, I didn't stab him somewhere else yeah uh, i'm sure he is too as yeah, a matter of fact uh, Don. but but i was just a kid and i was yeah. drunk but even back then that's considered a violent crime so i got locked up and got out and my life continued uh you know with the drugs and the, and all that i started selling drugs you know we used to buy the drugs from the hippies back then because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, they controlled the market back that's then. that's right and you were an importer for yeah, a while yeah, too well uh, yeah, towards <laughs> towards the end there and i was yeah. Uh, hitting my bottom, so yeah. to speak. And uh, the only way I saw out of the, the vadio, what we called the vadio, was uh, Vietnam was going on. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll... I was in trouble, and I told the judge, Your Honor, I want to serve my country. And he said, prove it. And I went and joined, and uh, and I lied when I was filling out the papers. I thought they'd come and get me, but they didn't. And the judge uh, let me go to go into the Air, Air Force, and I... I probably should have did the time instead, but, uh, <laughs> you know, that's how I ended up in the Northwest. And you, you started your career, I assume, in the Air Force down at Lackland Air Force Base. I did. Been I there, done that. Yep. 
couldn't, could, couldn't drink, couldn't yeah, yeah. do nothing. And wow, that's that's what they call a geographic big time yeah, when it was when for uh, me. Yeah. when when you, when you do that. Don Tennyson is joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. He is a national consultant in the addictions field. He's been around, uh, gosh, forty years. Uh, and we're going to talk tonight about pot, about marijuana, and the fact that uh, in in many states now uh, it has become legal for recreational marijuana. Over half the states now allow medicinal marijuana. What is this doing to our society? What is this doing to the youth of America? We're going to talk about that and talk about ways that uh, perhaps you can get treatment if you know somebody who's got a, a, a problem with marijuana. And there are a lot of problems with marijuana. Don't be fooled. We'll talk about that uh, tonight in the first hour as well. Don Tennyson, nice enough to join us. When you got sober, when you hit that bottom, tell me the details of of that if you would well my bottom was uh, a tragedy I had got out of the Air Force barely with my honorable um, by the skin of my teeth I was in Spokane and never been and figured well now I'm out and I can drink and drug like nobody and I moved way out into the country and I was I would stay drunk and stay loaded and this uh, gal by the name of Dana would at a little farm next to the shack I was living in and she'd see me passed out on the grass in the summer and She'd lean over the fence and say, hey, are you okay? And you know how us mm. drunks are. I'd come to and say, yeah, you got a cigarette? <laughs> and, uh, I would ask this beautiful soul to take me uh, to the store to get Mad Dog 2020. Oh, my gosh. And I, I was really hitting a bottom there, and, and I couldn't hardly drive, so she'd take me. And one time I asked her to take me to Spokane because I was living way out in the country, and I was selling pot. I asked her to take me into town so I can sell a little weed, and, and she did. She had a hippie bus, never been in one, always had low riders. <laughs> and uh, so we stopped at a bar on Highway 395, which is outside of Spokane, and I had asked her, would you go in there and get me a pack of cigarettes? While she was in there, I jumped behind the steering wheel. I had been drinking for days and drugging for days. I remember Dana coming out and saying, hey, hey uh, you sure you can drive? And you know how we are. I said, oh, yeah, no problem. Pulled out on the highway right in front of somebody, and there was a hit on. Oh, my God. The way the vehicles hit mm. is one car went out in the field on one side of the highway, and the other, the bus went on the other side of the highway. So cars coming down the highway couldn't tell that there was a wreck. It was you know, getting dark. Dana landed in one lane of the highway, and I landed in the other lane. Cars coming down the highway would see Dana and swerve to miss her and run over. Cars coming the other way would uh, see me and swerve to miss me and run over Dana. It was maybe a week later, that's what I was told, uh, I came to in Holy Family Hospital in Spokane. They had literally put me back together and, and they had me all strung up IVs and, and I had no clue what had happened, no clue. This man walks into the hospital room and he starts yelling at me. And he's cussing at me, you rotten this and you rotten that. I hope you go to hell. And I don't know why he's yelling at me. And then he finally said it. You killed my daughter. Oh, my God. And so that was the bottom. Mm. I could not take. Neil, I, I, we talk about a moment of, 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 of clarity. I had a moment of clarity before I ever got into recovery that day. When this man was telling me that what I just did was kill one of the nicest, sweetest people I've ever met who was so kind to me. Mm -hmm. I went nuts, literally. 
I ripped out the IVs. They chased him out of the room. They ended up putting me in a straitjacket and taking me to 8 North, another hospital, Sacred Heart Hospital in Spokane, and put me in 8 North, which was the nut ward. Mm. And eventually I came off the anesthesia and the drugs and the booze, and they taught me how to walk, and eventually I was released, and shortly afterwards I was charged for the homicide. So that's what it took in my case to hit my bottom. And I told you that I had my own clinic in in Boise, and I called it Raise the Bottom because the big book talks mm. about how we yeah. share our experience during the hope and that maybe we can raise the bottom for some. What happened when you got out of the hospital? You were charged with a homicide. I got charged, got locked up. Uh, you know, Judge George T. Shields, Superior Court, locked me up. I was in the newspapers, and the prosecutor was... Uh, making a name for himself, so I was uh, the guy that he was going to talk about, mm. drunk drivers, and on and on and on. Uh, after serving some time, some people who was working with a treatment center called Community Personal Guidance Center came and talked to me and said, we think you're a drunk and, and we think we can help you. And they talked to uh, George T. Shields, Superior Court Judge. He said, all right, I'll let them go to your treatment center. The treatment program that they put me in was called EWAC, where a lot of skid row drunks went, and I had to stay there for one year. And then the deal was I would come back in front of the judge, and he would decide how much more time mm. I had to serve. While there for a year, uh, AA and these treatment people literally saved my life. I had to go back after a year. I'm in school. I had the GI Bill. I'm uh, Somebody told me I hey, you should work with kids. You'd be a good counselor with kids with your colorful background. I was dumb enough to listen. I've been doing it since, and I had the GI Bill, so I'm going to school and uh, learning about uh, becoming a drug and alcohol counselor. I had to go in front of this judge. I knew he was going to lock me back up. I just knew it. One of these AA people back then said, would you ever think about praying I said, no, no, that's for you. That's not for uh-huh. me. Well, as I walked through the court doors, I remember saying, whatever, God. That's all I said, whatever, God. And the judge said, hey, I hear you're doing good. I hear you're helping people. We're done. Wow. The prosecutor threw his papers, literally threw his papers up in the air. He, he was uh, just so upset that the judge was letting me off the hook. That tragedy... And and the the way I talk about that tragedy today is uh, Dana gave me life, and Dana has helped a lot of people Mm. since. So she hasn't, as weird as this sounds, I don't think she died in vain because a lot of people have gotten help since Mm. then, and I give Dana the credit. The miracle that is Don Tennyson, he's a national consultant now. Uh, he's working down in, with a program down in Corvallis, Oregon. We'll talk a little bit about that a little later on. Tell me about how you got so involved, so interested, so concerned about marijuana pot. Well, you know, I back in the day, you know, I would sell it, and I knew the game, and I knew what was happening, and uh, and so we'd rip people off. Now, you know, pot wasn't very good back then, so you would dust it with piece, homemade PCP, yeah. and uh, you know you would do things like that and sell it, and people would think they're getting good pot when they really were getting off on some other drug. 
you know, I knew pot wasn't that good, but I knew it was getting stronger and better and better and better. And you knew people wanted to buy it. And people wanted to buy it. And so uh, I had that personal experience, but once I got clean and sober and got into the field, I also noticed people either in treatment or in recovery uh, for alcoholism or some other drug addiction, cocaine, they, uh, they would smoke pot and either relapse back on their main drug of choice or cop a new charge or get kicked out of treatment. And I knew it was always related to pot. And I would talk to kids and I watched kids that the age bracket drop lower and lower and lower. I remember talking to a 12-year-old uh, in a Spokane school district who was smoking pot daily. And, mm, at 12 years old. At 12 years old. And that caught my attention. But then a year later, I met an eight-year-old mm. smoking pot. And his parents smoked pot. And they would leave it laying around, you know, a half a joint or, or a little bowl. And the kid learned how to fire up. If and, mom and dad can do it, I yeah, think I'll give it a yeah, shot. Yeah. And so my concern became more and more about young people in marijuana. You know, I'm not here to, to say that we need to not legalize. In fact, I'm glad that we're decriminalizing marijuana and the, the attitude there. I, locking people up for pot, as you know, is the wrong answer. Absolutely. You know, they need treatment or education, mm -hmm. uh, but not to be locked up and treated, uh, ruin their life with a felony charge over uh, marijuana. Where I'm going with this is then I went to places like Hawaii. Mm. And over there, it's called Pakololo. And uh, the kids bought into the idea that Pakololo is part of their culture. And I would work at the school districts there, and these kids would s literally smoke, fire up between classes, and the security officers would ignore it because everybody accepted that it was part of the culture. And that, that caused me to have an awakening with my own culture because I saw the same thing happening in the Latino community where young kids were thinking, you know, well, you know, it's part of the, the Latino community. Everybody in Mexico smokes. No, that's not true. So I decided to start uh, talking to them about their own culture, that pot is not part of their culture whether it's Latino or Hawaiian kids. It just kept one thing would lead to another, one thing would lead to another. And nowadays, I'm still meeting kids that don't think that there's anything wrong with pot. Now, remember, I'm in the front lines for 40 years, in the front lines working with kids. I talked to two yesterday. Well, you know, Chicano Don, there's nothing wrong with pot, man. You know, well, you're in treatment. Uh, do you think uh, there's a problem? Uh, you gonna you gonna quit? No. When I get out, uh, when I turn 21, I'm gonna use it. When I'm off probation, I'm gonna use it because there's nothing wrong with it. That's the attitude that I'm most worried about. And that's what we are exploring tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. Don Tennyson, nice enough to join us. Uh, he's a, a longtime friend. Gosh, four decades, uh, and I have a 
and tremendous amount of respect for him. We're, we're talking about marijuana. We're talking about the legalization. We're talking about treatment. We're going to talk about prevention. We're going to talk about codependency. It's all coming up this hour. And I do want to get a website out. If you are concerned about marijuana, want to find out more good information, you know, it's, people say, well, we'll just Google it and, and go from there. There's a lot of information certainly online, but there's a lot of bad information as well. Here is a good website. It's www.drugabuse.gov and www.drugabuse.com. They can set you straight in terms of of information, of preventative ideas, and it's good, solid information. We'll get into more of that a little bit later on. Right now, we're going to take a short time out. We will be back with more Don Tennyson, nice enough to be here tonight to talk about marijuana, one of the top experts in the country, by the way. He does a lot of work with young people. We'll tell you about some of the stuff that he's doing now in the state of Oregon when we come back. I'm Neil Scott. The program is Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this timeout. Life was simple and always fair. There'd be no addictions anywhere. A world of sorrow, a world of pain would turn into a world of gain. To be the one that I can be all depends on you and me. Support recovery, lend your hand. One cannot do it, all must stand. These days, we talk about everything. I've been sober now one year, three days, and counting. My sister was restructured at work after 10 years. Welcome to the new normal and to cards for the new normal. New Journeys cards from Hallmark. My girlfriend sent me a card that said I'm really something to celebrate. Encouragement cards for all the stuff we face today. I actually found a card that says, sorry you lost your job. Journeys, new cards with real words for real life. Only at today's Hallmark Gold Crown stores. She has always been your baby. But when your daughter got into drugs and alcohol, she turned into a stranger. What do you do? Where do you turn? Contact Sundown M Ranch. Sundown's nationally recognized youth treatment program guides young people back to a life free of drugs and alcohol. All treatment is gender specific and directed by caring certified professionals in a safe environment. You can get your daughter back and get to know her again. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. Your daughter's wasted again. You ignore it. You get help. Before long, she's been arrested. Before long, she's been promoted. You post bail. You congratulate her. And then her addiction really takes and off. And then her career really takes off. She stops in from time to time for she money. She stops in from time to time for coffee. But then it's right back to the street. But then it's right back to the office. Years later, the police stop by. Years later, your daughter and son-in-law stop by. They've got bad news. They've got good news. She's gone. She's expecting. You cry. Choose to help a loved one struggling with drugs or alcohol. It could change everything. For more information or help, call 800-662-9111. Here is something to think about. 
Problem gambling is exactly that, a problem. Looking for a solution? Well, there is a way out. And there is help for you or someone you love who's caught in the web of problem gambling. Help is as close as your phone. Call the Washington State Problem Gambling Helpline, 1-800-522-4700. For confidential help and free information, call a real winning number, 1-800-522-4700. They have the solution for problem gambling. Recovery Coast to Coast is a program feature of the nonprofit Alliance for Recovery. On the air, thanks to the generosity of our friends and listeners. Now, if you're enjoying Recovery Coast to Coast and would like to help us to continue to carry the message of hope and the promise of recovery, you can make a tax-deductible contribution to the Alliance for Recovery at P.O. Box 31451, Seattle, Washington, 98103. Thank you in advance for your support. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, your nightly voice for recovery. Uh, I'm Neil Scott. Nice to have you with us here. And talking about addiction with a focus on recovery and Don Tennyson, a national consultant in the area of drug addiction, drug treatment, drug recovery. Uh, He's with us in the studio. I've known Don for, gosh, 40 years or so. And it's good to see him again. And he is still working on the front lines to helping people. He has a, a, a wonderful talk that he does around the country called Pot Talk. And we're talking about marijuana tonight. The whole thing with with the legalization of marijuana, everyone is talking about it. Anyone 21 and older can buy recreational marijuana in Colorado, Washington, Oregon, and Alaska. You can possess pot and get high legally in eight different states, including District of Columbia and Washington, D.C., as long as you're at least 21. Over half of the states now allow medicinal marijuana. And so a lot of people are pretty confused about, well, is it okay? Is it not okay? How serious is the problem of marijuana, especially as it relates to young people, Don? Well, that's one of the fastest growing drugs of abuse in my view, and it has been uh, forever. It, it was sitting in the back seat of the bus for a long time. Yeah. Nobody was talking about it. I remember when we did another pot talk on your show mm-hmm. some years ago. In the second part of the show, you had uh, a guy who was in recovery from I marijuana, remember that. And he talked about, you know, the 12-step programs, uh, marijuana anonymous mm-hmm. programs, one of the fastest growing in the Seattle area, and it's popped up throughout the country now because people are beginning to find out that they can't quit using. And I still get phone calls where it could be a 30-year-old who's been smoking for 10, 15 years, and they just can't quit, and they're asking, uh, and they have no clue when they're asking for help that there's Marijuana Anonymous out there. Yeah. And so I think that's important to bring up. It let people know that uh, uh, there is help available. People say, I can't afford help, I can't afford treatment. Well, Marijuana Anonymous is a good alternative. You talked earlier about when when you were selling pot years and years ago, it wasn't very good. 
Uh, the strain wasn't very good, and you had to lace it with other chemicals to present a buzz. Now, the pot today compared to the pot yesterday, and meaning you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, is drastically different. You've got recreational use. Uh, I went with a friend into a, a place in Seattle when, when they had uh, legalized it here in the state of Washington just to see what this was all about. They had a, a form uh, that was the daily specials for marijuana. Yeah. Like in a restaurant, daily specials. Don, it was six pages long. Right. It had all these different strains. I, I, it just blew my mind. How different is it today? How much stronger is it today? How much more dangerous is it today? Well, you know, the strains, uh, the names, that hasn't changed. That was back in the day, too. You, you'll you recall names like Acapulco Gold, mm-hmm. Panama Red, Kush. Uh, you know, yep. those those are all names that people were seeking because it was a better strain right. of, of pot and uh, had a stronger THC formula in it. Well... Over the years, growing techniques, uh, people have learned how to really grow good stuff. And nowadays, now now let me give you a quick example. I smoked pot for about 10 years, mm-hmm. and I smoked a lot. And we used to, four or five of us, get a big fat bag. We called it five-finger ounce, mm-hmm. and that's how you measured it. If it was five fingers thick, it was a good deal. And we would pay 10 bucks for that. Yeah, when, yeah. Yeah, when I tell that story to kids nowadays, they pass out because they can't believe <laughs> you can buy that much pot for 10 bucks back then. But we would be lucky to cop a buzz yeah. smoking almost that whole bag in one setting. Now kids, one of the, the uh, it's becoming an old term itself, is one hitter quitter. They take one hit and they're loaded. Yeah. I smoked it for 10 years. If I smoked what they smoked today, Neil, you would carry me out of here. I'd be so out of it. Yeah, It's yeah. that much stronger. Yeah. So, yes, it doesn't take a genius that if it's that much stronger, doesn't it stand a reason it's going to cause a little more problems than back in the day because it is stronger. It's going to cause, you know, common sense tells you, you know, that if you're sucking in as much smoke as you can and holding it as long as you can, you know, that can't be good long-term for the lungs. Right, absolutely. What is the difference between medicinal marijuana and recreational marijuana? Well, I think there's a, uh, there is some scientific data that is showing that there is some medical advantages in THC, but, mm-hmm. but let, I mean in marijuana, not THC. Right, marijuana. And if you take what's called CBT, and don't ask mm-hmm. me to tell you what it stands for, cannabinol, a certain part of the marijuana uh, plant that produces uh, the cannabinol CBD, that has been shown to help with epilepsy. Without getting high. Without getting high. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't get high on that. It's the THC that causes the high. And and then there's not just CBT, but there's a combination of THC and CBT that they're now using for seizures and have shown a lot of... uh, you know, success. Mm-hmm. I'm not against that. I'm not against that at all. I'm not against decriminalizing. We shouldn't. Um, but what I am worried about is that we're reliving prohibition and that the kids are smoking stuff today that is so potent that they're going to pick up a habit a lot yeah. quicker than back in the day. 
Don Tennyson joining us, national consultant on pot. Uh, he's with us in the studio. He's now working with a program down in Corvallis, Oregon. The, the program is called Milestones Recovery. They have uh, a number of programs, and one is called Yes House, a residential program and an outpatient program. So you're still dealing with kids now, even mm-hmm. uh, you know, 40 years later. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, that colorful past that I have still pays off when working with kids, and, and uh, I think that helps and it's so rewarding to work with kids and see the light bulbs turn on yeah. when when the so here's a trick that I'll do you know when I'm doing a family group for example and I'll go around I say so uh, introduce yourself first name your drug of choice how long you've been here and if you're a family member uh, you know first name what your relationship is for whoever you're here to support and we go to the kid and the kid might say you know I'm Joe and I'm addicted to meth, or I'm, I, uh, my drug of choice is meth. And I'll say, how long have you been using it? And, and oh, a year or two. Do you think you are addicted to it? Yeah, yeah. Are you done? I'm not sure. I'm Neil Scott. The program is Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this timeout. I lie to all my friends. I mean, I look right at my kids and lie to them. I make excuses to my family. I make excuses to the people at work. I hide the truth from everyone. Cover up at family holidays. You know, act as if everything's okay. Pretend I'm happy. Every day, I deceive everyone close to me. This man isn't addicted to drugs or alcohol. He's just addicted to covering up for someone who is. He thinks it helps, but it doesn't. Find out what does. For more information or help, call 800-662-9111. Are you afraid? Afraid of life without drugs and alcohol? There is help and hope at Sundown M Ranch. At Sundown, the focus is on you and your disease. You will learn how to live without depending on drugs and alcohol. Sundown M Ranch is nationally recognized for effective and affordable alcohol and drug treatment programs. Reclaim your life. Replace your fears with hope. Go to www.sundown.org right now to learn more. Reason number 22 to switch to GEICO. We think renters are cool. Now, we don't know if you were born cool or if it's just all the cool stuff you have in your apartment. The point is, if you want to protect your considerable coolness, ask GEICO about renters insurance. For as little as $12 a month, you can protect all the stuff you hold near and dear, including that combination flat-screen TV espresso machine. Now that is cool. For a fast, easy rate quote on renter's insurance, visit Geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. Our next exercise, killing spider in bathroom. As you hear your wife scream, begin with a light jog, then run to bathroom. Four, three, two, one. Find spider on wall and squat and squash. Squat and squash. Spider lunges at you. Now scream like a schoolgirl. 
Good. And sprint. Now run. Life is exercise. Snickers Marathon is energy. Great tasting, nutritious, long lasting energy for the demands of your day. Grab a Snickers Marathon in the energy bar aisle. Starbucks at home. Available where groceries are sold. Today is the day. Think earlier. Brew Starbucks at home. Available where groceries are sold. Yeah, I've been drunk in the last 30 days. And how old are you? 13. Do your parents know? No. In Washington, one in six eighth graders used alcohol in the past month. We can keep kids alcohol-free if we start talking now. About how many times have you had five or more drinks in a row this month? Maybe three. And how old are you? Fifteen. For more information, visit StartTalkingNow.org. That's StartTalkingNow.org. Maybe none of this is my business, and none of what I hear is true. I am far from the mint condition. Circulation's hard on you. Hold tight, hang tough. Love's not enough to keep you off that stuff. Welcome back once again, Recovery Coast to Coast. I'm Neil Scott. Great to have you with us tonight. We're talking about marijuana. We're talking about uh, marijuana as a gateway drug. And Don Tennyson has been involved in the front lines of dealing with marijuana for, gosh, 40 years now. He's coming up uh, on uh, his own personal recovery anniversary coming up in, in March of next year. Yeah, March 6th. One day at a time. And I, I do want to mention the fact that if, if you're interested in finding out more about marijuana or or you feel that you have a, a problem stopping marijuana, there is an organization called Marijuana Anonymous. It is free. It is a 12-step program, much like Alcoholics Anonymous. Marijuana Anonymous is a fellowship of people who share experience, strength, and hope with each other that they can solve their common problem and help others to recover from marijuana addiction. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop using marijuana. There's no dues. There's no fees for membership. Uh, they are self-supporting through their own contributions. MA is not affiliated with any religion or secular institution or organization. And they, of course, have no opinion on outside issues as well. And if you want to find out about a 12-step program near you, simply go to MarijuanaAnonymous.org, O-R-G. And, and Don Tennyson, again, nice enough to join us. Uh, Don, tell me a little bit about some of the collateral damage problems when it comes to marijuana. Uh, for example, depression or other mental health issues. I'm sure you know some old cool uh, potheads, you know, that have smoked for years and years and years. Uh, I have many friends who have smoked for many years and now don't. And they battle still after stopping with mild depression, uh, mild uh, uh, mental health issues uh, related, uh, I think, to the pot smoking. And I'm worried about that when it comes to the adolescents. And, you know, I think drugs can cause mental health issues. If you already have mental health issues, can increase those issues. My main concern is that pot is not talked about enough, how it affects the brain to create, like, depression. I have a dear friend. I love him to death. He smoked pot for 30 years, mm. and now he hasn't smoked pot for 20. 
and he struggles with depression. And he's convinced that the depression he struggles with is related to the years of smoking pot. Long-term effects. Mm-hmm. Long-term effects. And we don't talk enough about that, or we don't even talk about the research in that area. I mentioned earlier that heroin and THC attack the same parts of the brain. You know, we often see with a heroin addict that you get them clean and sober, you might use what we call medication-assisted treatment Mm -hmm. to get them clean and sober, but then you have to deal with some of the mental health issues related to after they're using uh, or not using anymore. And, uh, And that's my concern is that we're not doing enough in that area. And so now if you take that 12-year-old that starts smoking pot, and let's say that you are successful, that they, uh, in terms of getting them to the treatment and the treatment center helps them quit or they decide to quit, they go to Marijuana Anonymous and they're doing good. And now they're 25 years old and been clean for five years or longer, and all of a sudden they're dealing with depression and similar related mental health issues. That's my concern. When I say it's going to get worse, that's what I mean. That problem's going to grow and grow and grow. We're talking about marijuana tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. Don Tennyson is a national expert. He does a, a pot talk all around the country, uh, does a lot of work over in Hawaii, uh, and is now working with a program down in uh, Corvallis, Oregon. You know, we, we've been talking about smoking pot. What about edibles? When I went into this marijuana store in Seattle for the first time, it was called, well, I'm not going to say what it's called because I don't want to give them any publicity. But when I went in, I was amazed at all of the different different ways that you can ingest marijuana. Vape pens, for example. Uh, do you know anything about that? Yeah, that's big with kids now. Uh, young teenagers are abusing the vape pens like crazy. And they're getting huge concentrations of THC while they're still developing. Mm. And and so that's why I say down the road we're going to see huge problem in mental health issues because they're still developing. The adolescent brain doesn't fully develop until way into the teens, sometimes in the early 20s. 20s, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that's my concern. I, I, I want the audience to understand I'm not here... I'm not against marijuana. I'm not against people using pot. I'm not against uh, where, you know, if if that's your choice as an adult. What I am concerned about is that we're not paying attention to what it's doing to our kids. So we'll pay the price as a society down the road. We'll see more mental health issues related mm-hmm. to it because they're starting at a younger age and they're using something that's a hell of a lot stronger all the time, like the vape pens. I think uh, um, the the candy part concerns me, too. Now, you know, I'm old. Uh, back in the hippie days, even though I grew up in the Latino low-riding Chicano era, we had hippies all around us that were making brownies of even course. back then, you yeah, know. And, yeah. and I remember eating one of those brownies, and I got so high. I could not believe how I was hallucinating because when you cook— marijuana, you're getting more concentration of THC. And so now you have these stores that are selling it, and even candies like gummy bears that are have THC in them. I wonder what the little kids at home when they see these marijuana gummy bears sitting on the counter, you know, how are we going to prevent them from thinking? And even if they, 
even if you do prevent it, when they see that, they're thinking, wow, it's candy. It can't yeah, be that bad. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like the near beer stuff happening all over again. Mm. And so that concerns me a lot. Can someone overdose on pot? Yes, you can. And How serious is that? Well, it depends on the individual. It depends on your body chemistry. Mm. And if you have an allergy to that uh, dose of THC, it could be uh, uh, um, an experience that's worse than, say, nine other people would have. Mm. So every once in a while, I'd say uh, uh, weekly, someone goes through ER who's complaining about eating some uh, THC candy cookies, and it had too much of an impact on them, and they're scared, and they they think, oh, maybe something's wrong, and they end up in the ER. It's pretty frightening when you think about it. What, what about the role of parents when it comes to teenagers, when it comes to even below teenagers? What is their role? You know, that one of my great uh, tools that I learned from one of you somewhere down the road is to tap into those kids. When I'm dealing with kids in in treatment, let me give you an example. He's 15, 16, 17 years old. He's at uh, the Yes House in Corvallis where I do the family groups, and I ask them to bring the entire family. So the 8-year-old brother comes and to be supported, a support for the kid in treatment. And what I'll do is a little exercise, and I'll first explain to the families, did you know most kids learn how to use drugs from an older sibling? We've known that data for years, and that hasn't changed. So, you know, when the kid sees older brother, sister getting high on pot, and they're eight, seven, six years old, they're going to think, wow, you know, my brother does it. They're going to look up to him. Well, I already have them hooked then, because most kids do not want to have a negative impact on a younger sibling. And then I can tell them, or do a little exercise where I have the younger siblings say something to them. And it might come out something like this. I'm scared for what's happening to you. My brother is no longer here, the one I knew I want back. And or this comes up sometimes too. Yeah, I started smoking with my brother, you know, a couple years ago. And this kid is 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. And so they see the impact of what that can do in the family dynamics. That's a concern for me, too. When we're talking about uh, marijuana and the problems that it raises, we talk about treatment. Are there any specific treatment programs just for marijuana? Uh, Other than MA, I'm not aware of any. Mm. Uh, I am hopeful, though, that treatment centers can't avoid that this is becoming a bigger problem. Got to deal with it. And they got to deal with it. Got to deal with it. Let's talk a little bit about research. Uh, I mean, does legalizing recreational marijuana in a state lead its residents to use it or other substances? Well, there is some research that's being done. There are some questions that the University of Colorado researchers uh, hope to answer. Uh, There's a new $5.5 million study of 5,000 twins funded by NIDA, the National Institute on Drug Abuse. It's the first and only study of its kind in the nation trying to figure this out. uh, And and maybe some good research results will come from this, Colorado being the first state to make it legal for recreational use. What, in your expert opinion, needs to be done as far as research? What do we need to find out? 
I think we need to uh, be more open about research we've already done. The research is there. The data is there. But we don't present it in a right way. How many mm. uh, drug abuse conferences have you been where there's a track about marijuana? Not very yeah, many. Yeah. You know, they're always about the current. You know, we're, we're spending all of our time right now on the crisis, the opioid crisis. Opioid, yeah, and we And we should. We really should. But again, then the marijuana takes the seat in the back bus and mm. continues to grow. And so every time we have a current drug a crisis going on. Meth was one for a while that held our attention nationally for a long time. And again, marijuana took the back seat. So people, even in the, my profession, don't often uh, think of it as a drug that needs to be talked about more in terms of prevention and treatment with the providers, with the treatment counselors. And so when you go to national conferences, not a lot of people yeah. talk about it. I love that uh, I think uh, you gave me a tape many, many years ago, uh, and there was a uh, presentation, in a, uh, and it was at the National or International Conference on Marijuana, and I played that tape, and mm. that's where I first heard a PhD talk about how THC affects the same parts of the brain as heroin. Yeah. Now, this is 20, 30 years ago when you gave me this tape, and and so... 30 years fast forward, we're beginning to see that there's truth in that, but we're not talking about it to the counselors, to the providers, uh, and, and I think we need to, if we can get treatment, for example, to have, you know, a track on pot, mm -hmm. I think that would really be helpful. Even at uh, the clinic, uh, I mean, at the clinic, the treatment center I'm working at right now in Corvallis called Yes House Adolescent Residential Program, very little is talked in the, uh, their program regime about THC. So I spend a lot of time in the family group talking about it because I think it's important because uh, that is uh, uh, where they're lacking some information and education. So what I'm hearing you saying is, is w once we get the research, we need to implement it and, and put it into best practices. Exactly, exactly. And I think we're failing. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not a radical... Uh, completely, just a little bit when it comes to the helping profession. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about this, Neil. I will make one radical statement. If you think about how long I've known you and how long we've been talking about drugs on your radio program mm -hmm. or at conferences, and the drug problem hasn't gotten any better, if at all, it's worsened. Yeah. So, what I do is instead of talking about laws, I want to start talking about providers, about professionals like me in the field. How are we failing ourselves? When I uh, go do a, a KDAC test to become a certified drug and alcohol counselor or even a MAC test where you're a mm -hmm. master's in counseling addiction, uh, you know, they don't ask very much about marijuana on mm. those tests. Mm. So you're not even prepared as a professional to know a lot of, about that. And that, I think, is where we're letting down our own uh, treatment community is not doing as good as they should. We have a lot to do. Uh, we're going to take another short time out. We'll come back on the other side and wrap things up with Don Tennyson. Don Tennyson, Chicano Don is, is how he is referred to. 
I'm Neil Scott, the program Recovery Coast to Coast, wrapping things up in the next segment. And we're talking about marijuana. And if it's uh, ringing a bell with you, hopefully you will you will do something about it in the area of prevention, in the area of treatment, and in the area of recovery, because we're going to give you the information again about Marijuana Anonymous in the next segment. I'm Neil Scott, the program Recovery Coast to Coast. Short time out. We will be back with more right after this. That's what makes you strong. That's what gives you power. That's what lets the meek come sit beside the king. That's what lets us smile in our final hour. That's what moves our souls and that's what makes us sing. That's what makes you strong. That's what gives you power. That's what lets the meek come sit beside the king. Thank you for calling AAA. How can I help you? Oh, great. Hi, we've got a major malfunction going on here. What's the problem, sir? Well, the problem is that some friends and I decided to go whitewater rafting down this river just outside of town. Sounds adventurous. Yeah, well, it was until one of us who kept his keys in his pocket lost them. Hello. <laughs> when he fell, uh, oh, I'm sorry, was thrown out of the raft by some supposed tidal wave. Oh, so you're locked out. <laughs> well, we were until our friend Brian came out with an extra set of keys. So you're not locked out. Uh, no. But Brian is. Nice job, Brian. The genius locked his keys in the car when he got out to give us our extras. Bummer. Exactly. Well, tell Brian to hang tight and we'll be right out. Oh, you are the best. See, I told you, man. They're the best. At AAA, we understand it's never just the lockout. That's why we're dedicated to helping you with quick personal service to get you moving again. AAA. We're not just about cars. We're about you. Call 1-800-JOIN-AAA or visit AAA.com. Join now and get $10 off a basic membership. If you're considering a career as a chemical dependency counselor, here are five reasons to enroll at the Institute of Chemical Dependency Studies. It's recommended for up to 24 hours of college credit by the American Council on Education, offers an accelerated distance learning program, is an ADAC-approved provider, and their training meets the criteria for the Certified Justice Professional Certification. Plus, student loans are also available. Start your career today. Call 866-523-2669 or go to www.cdstudies.com. We now join the new Diet 7-Up Taste Challenge already in progress. Okay, I want you all to try this and then just say the first thing that pops in your head. Amazing. Yeah. Mm, totally. Mm, there's more flavor. Yeah, more natural flavor. Mm-hmm. More lemon-lime flavor. Yeah, you're both right. There's more natural lemon-lime flavor. Yeah, the lemon-lime flavor is totally zesty. Zingy. Zippy. With zero calories. What is it? Yeah. New Diet 7-Up. Diet 7-Up is new? Yeah, it's been totally reinvented with more natural lemon-lime flavor than ever. It's totally refreshing. I love I know. it. No. Uh, and it's diet, too. And where's the aftertaste? Now, yeah. that is refreshing. <laughs> Here's to more flavor in our lives. Oh, <laughs> Try new Diet 7-Up, now with more natural lemon-lime flavor than ever. Diet 7-Up, totally reinvented, totally refreshing. Stop in to your nearest grocery or convenience store today and pick up the new Diet 7-Up. Diet 7-Up has been totally reinvented and still has zero calories. Taste the new refreshing burst of lemon-lime flavors in Diet 7-Up today. We wasted a lot of years hoping, praying for things to get better. I was desperate to save our family. That's when I made the contact. She contacted Sundown M Ranch. Sundown's nationally recognized alcohol and drug treatment program teaches family members how to break down the barriers of denial. They are taught the skills needed to deal with addiction as a family. Now we're making up for lost time. It was the best contact I ever made. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. Bye today, always. 
I'm Neil Scott, the program Recovery Coast to Coast. We are wrapping up the first hour talking a lot about marijuana, uh, about uh, what it does to people, especially young people, people under the age of 21, people who, uh, young people who have developing brains and how that can uh, certainly affect them, affect their family, affect society. Don Tennyson is joining us. He's a national consultant on pot. He has a pot talk that he does all around the country. Uh, he's doing some work uh, down in Oregon uh, with a program called Milestones Recovery. Uh, you can find out more about them by going to milestonesrecovery.com. Uh, they have a yes house. They have residential program and outpatient program for adolescents. You enjoy working with adolescents, don't you, Don? I think that's my favorite population to work with, and I'll tell you why. I've worked with adults just as much throughout my career, and and sometimes in a treatment setting, in that type of regime, and you're talking to adults, sometimes getting them to be open and honest about themselves is like pulling teeth. (laughs) Now, it's not so with kids. You take adolescents in a treatment setting in that type of regime, and they are so straightforward so open, especially if they trust you, especially if they uh, feel like this is a non-threatening setting, they will tell you stuff that you would not believe. I still learn more from them, listening to them about current terms, current drugs of abuse, all that. Uh, They still teach me more than any master's program ever taught me. Don Tennyson has been joining us tonight. Uh, if you want to find out more about marijuana, uh, go to www.drugabuse.gov or drugabuse.com is another website. There's also a phone number you can call 1-877-988-4476. And of course, Marijuana Anonymous. There are meetings uh, there are online meetings, there are face-to-face meetings, meetings in every community. Find out more by going to Marijuana Anonymous. And, and again, that's a, f- a free service. People say, well, I don't have any money to go to treatment. Well, check out MA, Marijuana Anonymous. Closing thoughts from you, Don. Well, I, I didn't want to come on and do your show uh, and talk about the scientific data related to THC. Really what I wanted to do is come on to your show and challenge my own profession mm. and, and and treatment providers that I believe we are failing. And I'm basing this not on scientific data, just on experience yeah. that we are failing uh, our adolescents when it comes to THC. I'm, I'm just encouraging our communities to think about when we legalize, we have a, a responsibility to do more prevention, to, to learn from what happened with alcohol and not doing prevention and all of a sudden we're in this crisis with underage drinking and i see the same thing happening with thc so that's really why i wanted to come on the show Mm. plus see my good old friend neil (laughs) and catch up with you and and uh, i just think that we need to do a better job than we're doing especially around prevention what is the responsibility what is the role of the quote-unquote, organized marijuana community, that being the, the growers, the harvesters, the, uh, the stores that are selling pot? 
What is their responsibility in prevention and, and treatment? Well, I think it's the same thing I just said, that, that if you're going to make some money uh, in this business, this new business that's going to boom and grow and grow and grow, uh, don't you want to have an organization, a company that also takes a little bit of that profit and puts it towards kids for mm. prevention? And it's like the tobacco industry. You know, they got in a lot of hot water because they started advertising towards young people with uh, Joe Camel ads yeah, and the yeah. whole nine yards. Well, you know, the, you can prevent some of that dirty talk about your organization by helping uh, prevent uh, kids from getting involved with THC. Because remember, uh, you brought it up, Neil, that developing brain. Yeah. The younger you are, the bigger impact a drug has. And I don't care what the drug is, even aspirin. If you read the bottle on an aspirin, it'll say under the age of yep. consult a doctor because the younger you are, the bigger impact that drug has on you. And that's my concern. Don, you're doing great work. Keep it up. You're on the front lines. You've been on the front lines for 40 years, but yet you're still the world's oldest adolescent as far as I'm <laughs> yeah. concerned. Uh, you're doing great work. And I encourage you to work with other professionals in the field because we, we've, we've got to get that message to our own people first. Mm -hmm. Don Tennyson joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. And I appreciate your time and, and stopping by tonight. I would love to have you on the show again. And maybe we can do something by phone, do some follow-up stuff because I'm sure this program will create a lot of interest and maybe some controversy, which can be good. Mm -hmm. I agree. Don Tennyson, national consultant, joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. I'm Neil Scott. We're going to close out the show tonight, uh, the first hour of the show. We'll be back in hour number two with a person in long-term recovery to talk about what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Stay with us. I'm Neil Scott. The program is Recovery Coast to Coast. It is with disease of the mind as with those of the body. We are half dead before we understand our disorder and half cured when we do. Charles Caleb Colton. Soon after I began my recovery from alcoholism, I was flooded with feelings of guilt and remorse for the things I had done while practicing my addiction. I felt deep and genuine regret for my behavior and the harm it had caused. In addition, I was almost obsessively determined to make up for my past wrongs to others, for lost time, lost opportunities, and lost affection. No less painful was my self-indulgent conviction that I had been so bad for so long that I would never be able to redeem myself. One night, all that changed for me. I heard another recovering alcoholic describe feelings that were identical to my own. Those feelings almost drove him back to the bottle, he said. I realized just in time, he emphasized, that the things I did while drinking were symptoms of my disease. I had to decide once and for all whether my alcoholism is in fact a treatable disease or an unforgivable sin. I have long, long since stopped punishing myself for having a disease, regardless of old ideas or outside pressures that briefly surface from time to time. I do what is right and good because it is right and good, not out of guilt or a need to make up for past wrongs. Thought for today, 
I am not a bad person getting good, but a sick person getting well. We can't help being a little embarrassed when we remember how the need for approval controlled our lives. It influenced our thoughts, opinions, and just about everything we did. The need to be liked, admired, respected, and accepted by everyone was one of the hardest things to let go of in recovery, and for good reason. We had been that way all of our lives. We were fragile, fearful, and insecure. We needed all the strokes we could get. In fact, we depended on them for what little self-esteem we had. Building self-esteem from within rather than from the outside, that remains a primary challenge in recovery. We try to do what is right for us, to make choices based on our own personal wants, likes, and needs, from clothing styles to career decisions. We try to know and be ourselves. To make all of that possible, we've had to really concentrate on letting go of the idea that we're not okay unless we have the approval of others. Come to think of it, outside approval never made any real difference in our lives. Inside approval, on the other hand, has made all of the difference. Thought for today, I will release myself from the illusion that I need other people's approval to be happy. been listening to Recovery Coast to Coast. Recovery Coast to Coast is heard nightly from 10 p.m. till midnight Pacific Time, Monday through Friday from Seattle, Washington, carried live on 850 KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and heard nationally in streaming audio. For information about future programs, please visit www.recoverycoasttocoast.org, where you can listen to, download, or podcast our last five shows, as well as find information on upcoming programs. Please join us next time when we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. The bright side of addiction is recovery.